read from the Word of God, first of all, Proverbs 16, 1 to 9, and then we'll read after that the text. So we begin with Proverbs 16, where we'll read the verses 1 to 9. Proverbs 16, verse 1. The preparations of the heart belong to men, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And then we'll turn to James chapter 4. James 4, beginning at verse 13 to the end of the chapter. James 4, beginning at verse 13. And there, it says in the word, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, We shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're traveling somewhere nowadays, then we want to get there as soon as possible, right? And we get pretty impatient when there are uh, traffic or construction holdups. Especially unhappy when we get pulled over by the police, stopped. And uh, yeah, we're stopped for some kind of infraction. But it can be useful and beneficial to be stopped sometimes. That's how it is in our lives too, isn't it? We want to rush things on. We're often so short on time and we don't like it when there are delays. We have plans. We have a lot to do and accomplish. Think of the farmers this spring. They want to get the seed in the ground as soon as they can. It's frustrating, you know, when there's a breakdown in the machinery or so. Or when the weather doesn't allow you to get out in the field. Think of the landscapers who want to get to work 
and their construction contracts, contracts and their maintenance jobs. Summer's short enough and there's a lot to organize and to do. Not pleasant when there are, are holdups with supplies or because of weather. And the same with those in the construction business. They have to get things going while the weather permits and it exasperating when you have to wait for other trades to get finished with their jobs first before you can get on with yours. We want to get things done and as soon as possible. But then it can be beneficial and useful for us to be stopped so and told to pull over to the side today and think about what's really going on, what we're really doing. It's good to examine ourselves, examine what we're doing in the light of what our text in James 4 says about living in dependence on God. And I preach to you that text with this theme, how to live in dependence on God. We see three things. Know your own frailty. Take the Lord's will into account. And thirdly, assume the right attitude. First of all, live in dependence by knowing your own frailty. In our text, James, the Lord's brother, who became a believer later on and even became a leading elder in the early New Testament church, James gives the Christians of his time some instruction about living in dependence on God because apparently that wasn't happening at the time there were people were going on with the life and life was rushed and then James uses the example of people who go on a journey to another city in order to conduct business there to buy and sell and make some profit in those days that happened a lot and Travel took place by donkey, maybe even by foot. And that traveling back and forth took a lot of time. Today we go by car, by plane. It doesn't take long, much more efficient. We can be back very soon. But in those days it took a lot of time and planning beforehand. And if you traveled far, then you stayed where you went for a period of time. But one thing remains the same today as in those days. And that's that we need to remember in order to conduct business, we have to be alive to be able to do that. But our lives are frail, very frail. What is your life? asked James, verse 14. And then he answers that rhetorical question with this. He said, it's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What is your life? It's frail. Like a vapor. Like steam coming off your kettle. Your boiling water. Like mist over the fields in the early morning. You could see it this morning. When the sun comes through, it's gone again, just like that. That's how our life is. In the whole context of things here, it's like that vapor which is around for just a short time and then poof, it's gone. 
you know, life doesn't have to end violently due to an accident or so. It can also be due to an artery which becomes more and more blocked or a blood vessel which becomes weakened. You know, then you becomes an aneurysm or so. You don't notice it beforehand. But all at once, something happens because that blood vessel is completely blocked or that blood vessel in your head pops and your life is gone. After Genesis 3, or rather between Genesis 3 and Revelation 21, our life is vapor. Before the fall, we lived in a protective bubble, we could say. But after our fall, God took away that bubble and our lives were given over to the consequences of sin. And they are constantly, our lives are constantly in danger. Speaking purely from a biological point of view, one second of life requires millions of nerves and blood vessels and so on all to work together in your body as you sit here. And it only takes one small blood vessel to malfunction, and it's over. Well then, you know, in that, all the rush of life, James holds up his hand, he says, whoa there, pull over and stop for a minute on the highway of your life. Remember, you're just here temporarily. Life will eventually end, and who knows when? Could be tomorrow. And then comes judgment. Yes, congregation, stop and think about it in all the busyness of your life and your labors. For it's possible that you you just keep motoring on and working on and planting and planning, but that you're completely unprepared for that eternity which comes after this brief life and can come tomorrow. But why should we stop and think about this today? If we all, all always have to consider how frail our life is here and that it might be over tomorrow, that's a terribly depressing way to live, isn't it? You know, if you always have to think, well, I might not be here tomorrow. You're going to end up living uneasily and anxiously, Right? You won't be able to enjoy your life here at all. You might think it's better not to think about the frailty of life at all. Do not think about the frailty of your life and try to get out of life what you can while you have it. Get all the pleasure you can out of it because it can be over tomorrow. So ignore tomorrow and live it all you can. A lot of people in our time appear to live like that. Obviously not a very good approach either because you're going to stuck, get run stuck uh, living that way too. So how do you need to live then? Well, not in anxiety with dread, but not ignoring the future and getting all the pleasure out of, also not ignoring the future and, and getting all that you can out of this life, all the pleasure you can get out of it while you have it. Seize the day, carpe diem. No, in our text, James is directing us to live in dependence on God. And that's, that's 
living realistically. And if you live realistically like that, you also live peacefully and joyfully. That's how you can be at rest even as you acknowledge the frailty of your life. When you live in dependence on God. On the Lord. And you can do that by resting in the Lord's will. Because look what it says in our text, verse 15. Instead, he says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. In other words, our life completely depends on the Lord's will. And that brings us to the second main thought of the sermon this morning. Live in dependence by taking the Lord's will into account. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. The the Lord that James is referring to here is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the following chapter, verse 7, he mentions being patient until until the coming of the Lord. So with Lord, he's referring here to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know that Lord, a Lord in those days, that was the title of someone who had possessions and slaves. A Lord bought slaves, took care of slaves, set slaves to work in his fields. And a Lord could do with his slaves whatever he wanted. It just was a matter of what kind of Lord you ended up with if you were a slave. There were terrible lords who used and abused their slaves for their own profit no matter what. There were also good lords who had heart for their slaves, who even bought up beggars and homeless people in order to provide them with food and a place to live. So there were good lords too. But there is no better Lord than our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, if you think about it, it's so good to know your catechism, eh? Because it's asked in Lord's Day 13, why do you call him Lord? And the answer, because he has ransomed us, body and soul, from all our sins, not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood, and has freed us from all the power of the devil to make us his own possession. Bought and freed by the Lord made his own possession. The Lord Jesus Christ worked to gather a church for himself, in other words. Gave, he gave himself for that church. His blood gathers that church in to live to God's glory. He does so to glorify his Father. It's his will that his people live to God's glory. That decides how he, by his will, leads our lives and whether he gives us life or whether he takes it away. God's glory. Our lives are completely wrapped up in the Lord's will. Our life and death depend completely on his will. And that's the certainty and the comfort every believer can have. My life depends on the will of my Lord. And he's a, he's a wonderful Lord. 
one who bought us with his precious blood, made us his own possession, so that nothing, totally nothing happens to us without his will. Not a hair can fall from our head without his will. Stop and think about it. Do we really understand what that means, that we belong to him? You can make provision for all kinds of situations beforehand. You can have health insurance, employment insurance. You can take out fire and damage insurance or life insurance. You can put money into pension funds or into RRSPs or TFSAs to supplement your Canada pension. Be covered for all possible eventualities. But have you made provision for your sin and guilt before God? And for the slavery of sin against which you have to fight your whole life long? And have you made provision for your spiritual need also for the future? Have you made provision for eternity? Have you embraced the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart? Do you continue to seek your life outside of yourself in him? We heard that in the form for baptism. Outside of yourself, in him. If you do those things, then you should be able to accept too that whatever happens in your life is the will of your Lord. Can you say that? Can you say, looking back on your life, whatever has happened in my life had to happen because it was the will of of the Lord, and he wants me to bring glory to God in this. The will of my Lord, who bought me with his precious blood. Can you say that? Then you can let a lot of things go, can't you? If you could say that, brothers and sisters, then you, you have given up the one certainty you, you thought you had, even. You can think you have the world by the tail, but you realize you really don't. You can't be certain of your life. You kind of presumed that you had your own life in your hand, but you don't. You don't even know whether you're going to be here tomorrow. But as a believer, you can gain real certainty then. And that certainty is that whether you live or die, you are the Lord's. You belong to him. My peace in this life doesn't rest on the thin thread of my life, but it depends on the golden chain of my Lord and his will. And that's much more valuable. That gives a lot more certainty and peace, doesn't it? Imagine even that you were given the certainty, you know, that you somehow were told that you have another 20 or 50 years of life. You know, you heard a voice. You're going to live 20 years longer. But if you had no certainty about the Lord's will and faithfulness in that time, would, that, would those 20 years give you peace? Not at all. You wouldn't have peace. Would you be happy? No. You're much more at peace knowing that your, your life is in your Lord's hands, right? That in life and death, you belong to your Savior, Jesus Christ. That gives you certainty and rest in life whatever happens even in the frailty of your life oh I know that resting in the Lord's will you know saying what the Lord wills is good that's not always going to come easy 
And I'm sure you've experienced that. For instance, when we, we say that the Lord has taken someone out of this life to himself at, in his time and his way, you know, you see that announced sometimes. The Lord has taken out of this life at his time and in his way, so and so. And then we can have our questions and struggles with that will of the Lord. For instance, when that person is still so young, when that person is a mother or a father who in our estimation couldn't be missed. And in the meantime, you know, an old grandmother who is confined to bed and prays for the Lord to take her to himself, she keeps living. But this young mother or father is taken away. And I'm sure if you were that young mother or father who was dying, I'm sure you'd have a struggle to accept the Lord's will too. Maybe you'd even become rebellious for a time until the Holy Spirit again directs your heart to the Lord to whom you belong with body and soul in life and death. So it can be a struggle to accept the Lord's will for your life. Call on him. Call on the Lord. He he knows your struggle. Because he struggled to accept the will of his father in Gethsemane. He sweat blood. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But he submitted himself to the will of his father, even to the cross. And so he gave his life for ours and victoriously obtained for us the life-giving spirit. If you stop and think that over, then you realize that he of all the lords has your good at heart always. His will will certainly be good for you. Surely you can depend on him. You can rest in his will for your life. And see, if you do that, that gives you a whole different attitude in life too. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon. Living in dependence on this Lord means assuming a right attitude too. If the Lord lives, we shall do this or that. That counts for everything we plan and hope for in this coming season too. And that will then affect your attitude in a number of ways. I can think of four ways that it might affect your attitude, living in dependence. First of all, humble thoughtfulness. In all you plan and hope for, you also think in the back of your mind always, if the Lord wills. Thinking Deo Volenti, or as we often write, DV, you know, if the Lord wills. That should be something we express in all official announcements concerning marriages or, or so, other celebrations. In conversation, it doesn't always have to be said, but it must always be thought, if the Lord wills. You know, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to build that, and I'm going to go there. If the Lord wills. Something that should also be in our prayers then. Lord, if you will, We'll do this, we'll go there, we'll have that vacation. If you will, 
if the Lord wills. So that in the first place. In the second place, an attitude of humble carefulness. If you live with that thought in the back of your mind all the time, if the Lord wills, then you're going to live carefully too. Careful in your work, in your plans, in your relationships. When you part ways in the morning, when you go to work, when you go to visit family or friends, when you take leave of one another. How do you do that? You take leave of one another. Would you do that with, with, in anger? You know, with a, with a mad face? Think, I'm not, I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to wave. I'm not going to wave goodbye. What if it's the last time? Or you don't reconcile as husband and wife before you go to sleep at night? What if that's the last opportunity you have? What if the Lord will take you one of you out of this life that very night. And carefulness also means thinking about what kind of spiritual legacy you're going to leave behind after you've departed from this life. You're not going to be here forever. Do your loved ones know how much you love the Lord? Will they talk about it afterwards? What will your children and children's children remember about you? Will you leave them with a good example of living for and walking with the Lord? Living in dependence on the Lord? So, thoughtfulness, carefulness. Third one I want to mention is attitude of dependency, of course. Our success in business or on the farm or in our work doesn't simply depend on our intelligence, our skill, our experience, or our hard work. No, our success ultimately depends on if the Lord wills. See, we can do well in something one time, but the next time it doesn't go well. And then we can easily get frustrated with things or people or with ourselves, blame all kinds of things. We have to learn Dependence on God's will, on the Lord's will. Our success in what we do ultimately depends on his will. And if we work hard and well and things don't turn out, then we can accept that too as the Lord's will. And then we're still at peace with how it turned out. We can accept it. So thoughtfulness, carefulness, and dependence... You know, those attitudes actually have to do with what our text says in verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. The thing is, sin isn't just about deeds like murder, adultery, lying, swearing, and so on. No, if I know that my life is a vapor and it depends on the Lord's will, but I don't live, speak, work accordingly, that is sin too. If I don't work at becoming thoughtful, careful, dependent in attitude, then I sin too. Then I actually deny my Lord and act as if I'm my own Lord and Master. And it's all up to my will. And that's sin. 
and that sin can live deep in us, right? We need to go back to the Lord every day again in prayer. Lord, discipline me. Teach me to live thoughtfully, carefully, dependently. And that'll lead to the fourth attitude that flows out of dependence on the Lord, and that's thankfulness, gratitude. If you live out of the will of the Lord, if the Lord wills, I'll do this and go there and make profit. If you live out of that will of God, then you're going to be thankful always, aren't you? Thankful for everything you're allowed to do and enjoy because of the Lord's will. Thankful for every day you receive. Thankful for every second. Because what is a day? A day flies by. And we can consume it without really tasting it. To use a food example. You know, like a child drinking down a glass of lemonade or so. Mom says, slow down. Otherwise, you, you're, you're hardly giving yourself time to taste what you're drinking. Let's taste the days and the blessings that the Lord grants. Taste his goodness in what he wills for us every day. Every day given by him, by his will. Every day, right till the last one. And then he'll say, Father, I want that that person whom you have given me may be with me where I am to glorify you with me. And that'll be his will then too. So let's depend on him this season of growth and work. And that'll give us peace no matter what. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for impressing on us in your word the frailty of our lives so that we don't presume on our life, that we don't presume on your goodness either. Help us to be able to accept what your will is for our life then too. Help us to find rest in that through faith. That whatever you give us to deal with is your will. And it's meant for our good and for God's glory. And in accepting your will, grant us then also more and more an attitude of thoughtfulness, carefulness, and dependence and especially also thankfulness in our hearts and lives. Let us taste your goodness in everything, every day, right to the last one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.